This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we will help you learn to invest in 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? I can't complain. We are all the way into March. The year is flying by. And as a result, it's that time of year where we've, we've actually delayed this by a, a couple of episodes, but we are doing our Ask Us Anything for the month of February. And we have a huge list of questions to get through. Yeah, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to figure out a way to condense these questions because this is going to, if we are, if we answer them all, it's going to be a very long episode. Completely agree. We, we need to get some some whizzes with the computer to come in and get our website so that we can start voting on questions. So, as you said, Ren, there's, yeah, we need, we need a way to be able to start vetting because each month that goes by, we get double the amount of questions than the month before. So, by December this, this year, we just won't be able to be answering everyone's questions. So, if anyone out there wants to give us a hand with the website, you know our email, contact at equitymates.com. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ren, so should we get stuck straight into it? I'll ask the first question. All right, first question for you, Bryce, comes in from Brad. He is interested in lithium. He bought a lithium company two years ago, and he thought prospects were good, uh, everything seemed fine, stock doubled in price, and uh, two years later, now the stock isn't, is barely worth anything, despite having what he sees as good results. So he wants to know what's happened to the lithium markets and this company in particular. Uh, the company is AVZ. AVZ, yes. Yeah. So, bought into it. Um, look, there's a number of things, I guess, from my point of view. Firstly, you, you invest a sentiment, something that you can't control. But with a lot of these mining companies, the thing to note with AVZ in particular is that they are not producing any lithium at the moment. So, they're in the exploration and discovery mode. And as Brad points out, they have had some positive drill results, um, but they are yet to translate those drill re- drilling exploration 
work into the actual production of lithium and ren as we did in our um, summer series um, you know it's critically important that um, companies start actually making some money and revenue another thing to note is that the price of lithium itself has been falling since january 2018 so as the price of lithium falls then the value of the drills that the company avz has becomes a bit less in terms of the you know what they can sell it for once they do go into production um, so that might be a contributor to the price fall of the stock and also that they did a, a placement to raise 9.8 million dollars to continue i guess surging towards producing um, and that 9.8 million dollars or essentially the raising of almost 10 million dollars um, was done at 3.8 cents per share so that was the valuation done at the time um, so you can imagine that if they do a placement at three and a half, three point eight cents per share, and it was trading at around twenty, you would expect that it would probably come down a bit closer to what the placement was done at. So there's probably three reasons, in in my opinion, why uh, the stock is is where it is at the moment. Yeah, nice one. I um I left this question for you, so I've got got no, nothing to add. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want me to ask you one, Ren? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this comes through from Rudolfo and he asks, A2 milk or Bellamy's and why? Well, I mean, if you're asking me, I'm probably very biased. Uh, A2, A2 until I die, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, look, I think A2 is going from strength to strength. The most recent half-year report had a 55% increase in profits. Bellamy's is going through a bit of a tough patch in their most recent report uh the recent half year report they had a 26 decline in profit so sort of very different stories at the moment in saying that though potentially a2 milk is overpriced because it's going so well and bellamy's is a little bit out of favor and so the price that you're paying might actually be better um i haven't done a deep dive into the valuations and all of that uh but if you were you know, if you're just looking at their recent fortunes, I think A2 is probably, uh, it's going from strength to strength at the moment. So I'm going to keep, keep holding. Nice. I would agree. All right, Bryce, next question for you. It seems like you're going to get the hard ones today, which is great for me. Uh, so this question is about a company called The Bet Makers, which is currently undergoing a reverse takeover by PlayUp. I actually haven't heard of either of these companies, so I'm glad you're answering this question. Um, what, what, so the question wants to know um, what happens when uh, a company undergoes a reverse takeover, and if you're a shareholder in the company, do you hang on to those shares? Okay, great question. So a reverse takeover or a reverse merger takeover is essentially the opposite of an IPO or initial public offering, and that's where... Um, there is an acquisition of a public company by a private company so that the private company generally can bypass the lengthy and complex process of going public. And in this situation, there's a lot of reorganization that needs to be done, as you can imagine, and there is a transfer of shares by the private company. So yes, if you're a public shareholder, then you will get a transfer of shares into the private company in which you can then do what you want. That's generally speaking, but there are a number of 
sort of different circumstances depending on which country you're in and a whole nother, a whole bunch of other reasons to do with the exchange that you would be the company would be trading on that it's not always the case um, but generally speaking yes there will be a transfer of ownership um, into or out of the, the private company so Ren your question this question comes in from Tim and he wants to know our opinion on the paid subscription stock picking services you know there's a lot out there that are giving claims of strong growth and he wants to know uh, why not just follow what they do and then make the odd pick yourself yeah so i think uh, as a general rule you've got to be wary about anything that guarantees you results uh, nothing's guaranteed in investing so if someone's guaranteeing you 18% a year, I would be very, very wary. In saying that, I reckon there's some, there might be some value in the process. So if you're paying and you're getting in lessons on you know, what their method is for picking stocks, how they value companies, or you know, what they're looking for in terms of momentum, and you're using it as a learning exercise to see how their process works, see when it does work, when it doesn't work, what, you know, what are the determining factors for successful trades, assessing the results, all of that. There's probably some merit to that. But if you're going in there just blindly following their picks, I would uh, I would definitely hazard against that. Nothing's guaranteed in investing and uh, anyone who says they can get you 18% a year consistently guaranteed, if they actually could do that, they would be working at you know, the biggest hedge funds or endowments in the world because everyone love an 18% guaranteed return. So yeah, I'd be, I'd be wary. If it's a learning experience, you know, that's all right. It's, it's just if you're willing to spend for that learning experience, but um, there, there's definitely some really interesting and good subscription services out there, but they're not the ones that are guaranteeing you a re- return every year. Mm, mm, agreed. All right, um, let's rip through this because I am very conscious that we are going to have a long episode. We might even uh, break this into two episodes and release them both today to sort of break it up a bit. Sure. All right, next one for you, Bryce. If, if you buy over a long period at a bunch of different intervals and the share price is different at each time, how do you then assa- assess that for a capital gains, capital loss, um, tax perspective? That's, it's a really good question. And digging deeper, I thought there would be a bit of a complex answer behind this one, but the ATO, I think, do everything they can to allow it to be as easy as possible because it could be quite confusing if you've bought a lot of stocks. So yeah, if I've bought a thousand units of BHP at one price and then a thousand units at another price and then a thousand at another price, when I go to sell, what? how do I know if it's a price uh, if it's capital gain or capital loss well firstly there's an accounting method called first in first out which you could use which you would if you sold a thousand units you would then say okay i'm going to be selling the first thousand that i ever bought and then you can determine if that's at a capital loss or a capital gain depending on the price at which you're selling Um, however the ato say that when disposing of only part of investment in shares uh, you need to be able to identify which ones you've disposed of um, as shares are bought at different times, they may have different cost bases, as we know, and this will affect your capital gain or loss. Um, and so it's, it, it's very straightforward. You can determine and, and say which units you want to sell. 
the main thing you need to be aware of is that you need to be able to have records to prove which ones you're disposing of and at which price you bought them so that you can have a, a clear uh, record of, of that um, transaction. Um, this would be is made easier these days, obviously, with um, online brokers that all your transactions are in there. So you just need to be wary that if they ask, you need to prove that that's how many you bought and at which price. If you go to the ATO website, there's a whole bunch of information there. So I would suggest doing that and also speak to a tax accountant as well if, if um, you want some more information on that. Yeah, I think a lot a lot of brokerages will help you with that as well these days, won't they? Yeah, it's often a value add that they add on these days, um, help, help streamlining the tax process, yes. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ren, so... Hold Let's on, we should, on. I, think, I think we should say, and this should be a caveat for everything, but this is uh, not financial advice, speak to a tax professional. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, Ren, so we've got a, another question here about ETFs, very popular. One in particular is, is SQQQ, which is a leveraged uh, index, which I actually invested in, and... They also, that's a six part question. So a big one for you this morning. Uh, they, also <laughs> want to, they also want to know about um, ETFs and decay, which I'm sure you'll get into. And uh, let's just start with that. Yeah, okay. All right. So <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a tough one to ask. Uh, I think there's probably a, a few things to split out. So I'll go from the general to the specific. So uh, ETF decay is a term that... Some people might be familiar with, a lot of people probably aren't. Uh, it's a feature of leveraged ETFs. And without getting into the maths, it basically can result... How do I, how do I describe it? So without, without getting into the maths, probably the easiest takeaway is that most of the time, a leveraged ETF will actually do worse than the underlying asset leveraged by the same factor. So essentially, if, you, if you're... Uh, investing in, in this case, an ETF with leverage, you, you might actually get worse results than if you had invested in the underlying asset with the same amount of leverage. Maybe I can explain it with an example. So if you have $10 invested, on day one, it goes up 25%, and on day two, it goes down 20%. That $10 went up to $12.50, and then back down to $10. So $2.50 up on day one, $2.50 down on day two. If you had invested in that through a leveraged ETF, uh, when it went up 25% on day one, you'd expect it to go up 50%. And on day two, when it went down 20%, you would expect it to go down 40%. So putting real numbers to that, that means your fifteen, sorry, your $10 turns into $15 on day one, but then you actually lose $6 on day two because it's down 40%. So that... that Essentially, that's ETF decay. It means that you actually sometimes lose money um, when it's trying to track the index. So what maybe what we'll do is we'll include an article or something about it in show notes. So if you are interested in it, uh, jump onto the show notes and read about it. But essentially, uh, ETF decay is a risk of using leverage ETFs. And it is something you should be wary of. And that probably leads into the second part of the question, which is, should you be holding leverage ETFs for the long term? General answer is no. Uh, they're not designed for that. If you choose to do that, that's a choice that you can make, but just be aware of some of the risks and some of the problems with them as a financial product. 
And if you were going to do it, what I'd do is have a very small portion of your portfolio and something leveraged just because the risk is higher. So yeah, jump, jump on the show notes if you wanted to learn more about uh, ETF decay and uh, some of the, the reasons for it, because I'm not sure I explained it that well. But it's, a, it's an important term. It's good to understand. Yeah. In terms of SQQQ specifically, be, be aware that it's intended to track the, or inversely track the daily performance of the NASDAQ. It's not intended to perfectly track it long term. So there will be some divergence over the long term. So just, just be wary of, especially with leverage products, how the ETF is built because um, that will lead, that will you know, have an influence on the performance. But it's a really good question. It's probably not something that a lot of listeners need to worry about. But if you are trying to get into products that are leveraged, that increases the return possibility, but it also increases the risk. So it's not probably not something most people should or need to worry about. But if you choose to uh, get into it, it's definitely worth understanding what you're getting into. And we'll include a link in show notes that will help explain it. Nice one, Ren. Well explained. Well, uh, I'm not... Uh, <laughs> let's, go with, let's go with adequately. <laughs> All right. Hopefully the next one won't be as complicated, but I've got to say, I do like the fact that these questions like that are coming in. Like I hope, you know, if it's a term that no one has heard of before and people start to think about it, then like this Ask Us Anything has done its job. Um, it's introducing people to new concepts. So yeah, absolutely. Good. Keep, keep those questions coming in. Absolutely. All right, next one for you, a little bit more straightforward. So uh, Dean wants to know about our, our thoughts on Rays, which was previously Acorns. Uh, I know you're a user, so um, do you want to share your thoughts? Yeah, so Raise is a micro-investing app for anyone who isn't aware of it. It takes your change when you tap your card. Say if you buy a coffee for three fifty, it'll take the $0.50, cents, round it up to $4 and invest that $0.50 cents into a few portfolios that you can choose. Firstly, uh, we have interviewed George Lucas, the CEO, twice now. So check out episodes number 21 and number 61, they recently went through an IPO. So that was an interesting process that we spoke to him about. Uh, so for more information on Ray's, go and listen to those. But you are right, Ren. I do use the app. I think um, it's a good way just to have another little savings account going on. They do charge, I think it was $1.50 a month for fees. Now, if you're only investing your spare change and paying a dollar fifty a month, then as a percentage, you're actually paying quite high brokerage. Um, so I think my caveat with raise is always you need to be putting your own money into it above and beyond the few cents that are invested through your spare change to avoid paying large brokerage fees and also just to speed up the compound process. So you can set from anywhere between sort of five dollars onwards per week or Fortnite, whatever it may be, and it would drag it out of your account and invest it into in large sort of index funds. So I think it's a, a great starting point and tool for early beginner investors just to have a play around and understand how these things can work. But I have it as a supplementary sort of fun thing on the side. It's never really factors into my investing equation, to be honest. So yeah, go and check out episodes 21 and 61 for some more information on that, but nothing against it. Yeah, nice one. 
Now, given that we're brushing up on 20 minutes, uh, I reckon let's finish this episode here. Yeah. And we'll do we'll do a second episode. Ideally, we'll release it in the same day, maybe the day after. Yeah. Just because otherwise, I reckon this episode might get to an hour if we just keep pushing through. <laughs> okay. Sounds good, Ren. Well, let's chat next episode. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.